الحمد لله حمدا يوافي نعمه ويكافئ مزيده الحمد لله عدد خلقه وزنه عرشه وكمال كلماته واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده بلا شريك واحد احد فرد صمد لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا احد واشهد ان سيدنا واولنا وهادينا والشهيد علينا محمد صلى الله عليه واله وسلم عبده ورسوله لقد كان لكم في رسول الله اسوه حسنه لمن كان يرجو الله واليوم الاخر وذكر الله كثيرا من يطع الله ورسوله واولي الامر من المؤمنين فلا مضل له ومن يعص الله ورسوله واولي الامر من المؤمنين فلا هادي له ومن يعتصم بالله فقد هدي الى صراط مستقيم اما بعد ايها المؤمنون كمدد مسلمز this week couple of days ago was the day in which the isra and the miraj of allah's prophet took place and because this is a a most significant event Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Subhanalladhi asra bi'abdihi layla min al-masjid al-harami ila al-masjid al-aqsa alladhi barakna hawlah linuriyahu min ayatina innahu huwa as-sami'u al-basir There are some arguments and some opinions that have accompanied us in our history and we are still living with them today Concerning this event the prophet's night journey from Mecca to Al-Quds and then his ascension from Al-Quds, Al-Masjid, Al-Aqsa unto Sidrat Al-Muntaha 
The first issue that some so-called rationalists try to present in a provocative way is how could it be possible for a human being made of flesh and bones and blood, how is it possible to go on a journey like that in a portion of the night? This is one of the issues that is always brought by those, as I said, who think that because they've obtained some scientific information about transportation and about the speed of light and sound, and it's just impossible for a human being to go that distance in a portion of a night. Well, yes, it's impossible if that event was a human event. If the Prophet himself did that, yeah, it's impossible. But when we understand that this act was a divine act, it wasn't the Prophet who was doing it, it was Allah. who did it and that's not impossible for Allah to do that's why the first word in the ayah in surah al-isra subhana we are exalting and extolling and praising Allah subhana alladhi asra bi'abdih it is he who took the prophet on this journey So when we are speaking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we're no longer speaking about the Prophet. When we're speaking about Allah jalla sha'nuh, we can't say this is impossible for him to do. He can do it. Because these laws that these argumentative individuals present, oh, a human body would burn if it was traveling at the, the speed of light. That's true. But that law, the friction that is generated by someone moving 300,000 kilometers a second, this is you know one of the scientific types of uh, presentations, the body would disintegrate. Yeah, that's right. That's a physical law. But it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who made it a physical law. So he can suspend his own law. And the Prophet could proceed on his journey. And there is a, a, uh, a relationship between infinite power and time and distance. Because that night journey required time and it required a distance. So, if we take a step back and look at our own world, if you're traveling on, let's say, a donkey or a horse or a camel from one place to another, it's going to take you a long time. If you're going, let's say, from Washington 
to California. It's going to take a long time. But then what if you're traveling in a car or a train? It's going to take lesser time because the quote-unquote horsepower of the car and train are more than that of a transportation beast. And then you, you, you get into an airplane. The power there is more. So the time and the distance seem to be less. This is when we're speaking about ourselves strictly in the physical world. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-qawi, al-qadir, al-muqtadir, wa huwa ala kulli shay'in qadir. Don't we say that? Don't we know that? So if Allah's power is infinite, there's no end, there's no calculation for it. Isn't it, is it not possible if that is the case that we no longer can factor in time and place? So these disturbed minds who want to discredit Al-Isra and Al-Mi'raj, what they are simply doing is discarding Allah Azza wa Jal, discarding Him from the, the whole thing. And we remind them it is not Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam who's doing this, it is Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala who's doing this. So don't put Allah in the dimensions of our world. And then by doing that, saying something like that, it's impossible to happen. And then this type of argument seeps in among Muslims. And Muslims, because they themselves haven't developed their own ideas about this, they begin saying, oh, well, the Prophet went on a spiritual journey. He didn't go, his, his body wasn't with him. He physically went on this trip from Mecca to Al-Quds and then from Al-Quds to As-Samawat Al-Ula. <coughs> then we have the, the mushriks of Mecca when the Prophet returned and he said, the truth, I went on this journey from Mecca to Al-Quds and then from Al-Quds to heaven and up and beyond they said this is, is same thing you see in their lesser knowledge they are reaching the same result as these people who think that they are masters of science both of them reach the same conclusion it's impossible we we don't believe this and then they said to him okay this is what you are saying uh, then describe for us Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. And the Prophet described for them Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. And they knew what Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa was like because they used to travel. Rahlat al-Shita'i wa-Saif. Summer, they used to go northward to Bilad al-Sham. And in the winter time, they used to go southward towards Al-Yemen. So they're familiar with these places. So when the Prophet described to them Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa, 
some of them, this is, you know, that's how human beings act. Some of them said, okay, maybe someone described that for you. You got this information from someone. You pre-planned this. And so you're answering our question. So Allah's Prophet, may Allah's peace and blessings be upon him and his, he went one step forward. He told them, and there is a caravan on its way back from that area, Bilad al-Sham, coming towards Mecca. And he described to them that caravan and where it is and the approximate time when it will be arriving in Mecca. Now, did he make that up? Did he have some type of advanced technology to scan the map of the area and see the movement of this commercial caravan? Obviously not. And still, after the, these truths have been were presented to these people, some of them said they were Muslims at that time. Some said, I don't believe him. And they renounced their Islam. They ceased to be Muslims. When they, they were presented with these crystal clear facts. And what did the... I ask you, what did the Prophet at that time do? He said, oh, these are murtads, these are kuffar, we have to execute them. None of that appears in our history or in the seerah of Allah's Prophet. We have another issue that is related. You will encounter this in the future if you have contact with concerned Muslims. And that is the argument of did the Prophet see Allah Azza wa Jal or did he not see Allah? This is one of these internal brain teasers that has been going back and forth among the Muslims. I'm not going, and it, it really, it, it doesn't serve any purpose to try to give more credit to those who say he actually saw the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as opposed to giving more credit to those who say, no, no, he did not see Allah. Both of these arguments, both of these points of view are within our Islamic history and within our Islamic selves. And what purpose does it serve if we wanted to come and say, I am going to take a strong position that the Prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saw Allah or didn't see Allah. What, and what, at the end of the day, what, what is that going to serve? So, we're not going to be fanatics about our point of view. We submit to our own collective self that, okay, you're entitled to that opinion and you're entitled to that opinion. That being said, it doesn't mean we can't think and we can't make up our own minds. On this particular issue, suffice it to say, under these weather conditions, suffice it to say that in the case of Prophet Musa alayhi salam, he said, Rabbi arini anzur ilayk. 
Musa is asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the opportunity to see him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to him, you're not going to be able to see me. Lam tarani. And then Allah subhanahu tells Musa, unzur ila al-jabal. Take a look at the mountain. فَإِنِ اسْتَقَرَّ مَكَانَهُ فَسَوْفَ تَرَانِي If that mountain stays as it is, then you'll be able to see me. فلم, the ayah says, فَلَمَّا تَجَلَّى رَبُّهُ لِلْجَبَلِ جَعَلَهُ دَكَّى When Allah appeared, it's not the physical appearance that we understand but when Allah featured was featured to that mountain that mountain crumbled Allah made that mountain crumble so if a mountain mountain doesn't have any senses like human beings and a senseless material mass could not withstand the featuring of Allah how is it us with our delicate senses how can we absorb looking and seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at that point وَخَرَّ مُوسَى Musa collapsed when he saw that happen. Musa was looking at a mountain. And when he saw the mountain crumble, basically, he collapsed. So the effect of the mountain on Musa caused him to collapse. And the the mountain itself became rebels because Allah wanted to demonstrate to Musa the inability of our human constitution to visualize Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In in the ayat in Surat Al-Najm, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says لَقَدْ رَأَى مِنْ آيَاتِ رَبِّهِ الْكُبْرَى He, meaning Allah's Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam He saw Allah's most magnificent ayah Now, without getting into the language of all of this because there's two understandings to this ayah and these understandings are contingent upon your familiarity with the Arabic grammar and the Arabic language which obviously I don't have the time to explain here but one of these understandings is that uh, the Prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saw 
Allah's most magnificent demonstration of His power and His authority. That's لَقَدْ رَأَى مِنْ آيَاتِ رَبِّهِ الْكُبْرَى For those who do understand Arabic, لَقَدْ رَأَى مِنْ آيَاتِ رَبِّهِ الْآيَةَ الْكُبْرَى لَقَدْ رَأَى مِنْ آيَاتِ رَبِّهِ الْكُبْرَى الْآيَةَ الْكُبْرَى So, this ayah happens to be in in Surah Al-Najm when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes the Prophet when the Prophet went through three phases in the Mi'raj in the Isra and the Mi'raj the human phase the angelic phase when he was accompanied by Jibra'il alayhi salam and then in the Laduni phase, when he went beyond the angelic potential. Prophet Jibreel told the uh, uh, Angel Jibreel told the Prophet the following. When the Prophet and Jibreel reached a certain point, remember, we're speaking about events outside of the barriers of time and place. So don't confuse yourself. The Prophet began his journey from Mecca to Al-Quds as a human being. When he began the first portion of the Mi'raj, the ascension unto heaven, he went through an angelic phase. And then when he re- reached Sidrat al-Muntaha, that's when Jibreel told him, لَوْ تَقَدَّمْتْ لَحْتَرَقْتْ لَوْ تَقَدَّمْتُ لَحْتَرَقْتُ وَلَوْ تَقَدَّمْتَ لَحْتَرَقْتَ Which means, Jibreel was speaking to Allah's Prophet, telling him, from here on, you and I are here. From here on, if I, Jibreel, was to take a step forward, I would burn. I would combust. And if you, Muhammad, if you take a step forward, you can go beyond that. There's an ayah in the Quran that says, لا تدركه الأبصار وهو يدرك الأبصار No eye vision can comprehend Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But he subhanahu wa ta'ala can comprehend all the visuals in existence. So, did the Prophet, may Allah's peace and blessings and mercies be upon him, did he see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or did he not see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? As I said at the beginning, this is not a matter to become a fanatic about. It is not a divisive issue as some people want to make it. 
It's an issue that should be attempted for understanding. The Prophet, may Allah's peace be upon him, saw Allah, but he didn't see it with the human eye. He didn't see him, subhanah, with the human eye. The ayah in the Quran, the other one here in Surah Al-Najm says, مَا كَذَبَ الْفُؤَادُ مَا رَأَى The fuad of the man, some people translate fuad as heart. Some people translate fuad as the consciousness. Consciousness is probably more to the point. So Allah is here is saying, مَا كَذَبَ الْفُؤَادُ مَا رَأَى The fuad did not see something false. But can your consciousness see or can your eye see? Usually speaking, when we see when we say someone saw something, we mean he saw something with his eye. But if we go beyond our physical world, and you think about yourself, you have a dream. You see people, you see things in your dream. Did you see it with your eye? Was your eye opened when you saw those things? Of course not. So is it possible for the Prophet to see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? The answer will be in your domain. And then as a final comment on this, I will say that Surah Al-Isra in which the ayah, the first ayah, Subhana alladhi asra bi'abdihi layla من المسجد الحرام إلى المسجد الأقصى الذي باركنا حوله لنريه من آياتنا إنه هو السميع البصير. This surah was revealed after Surah An-Naml. What do we have in Surah? The, the only surah between An-Naml and Al-Isra is Surah Al-Qasas. What do we have in Surah An-Naml? We have Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaking to us about Sulaiman alayhi salam. And what, it is, what is it in these ayat that speak to us about Sulaiman? أَنَا آتِيكَ بِهِ قَبْلَ أَن تَقُومَ مِنْ مَقَامِكَ uh, Sulaiman asked those around him, Can anyone bring me the throne of the queen of Sheba? Malikatu Saba'a. Can anyone bring me her throne before she arrives? And then there was a competition between some. One of them said, I can bring it to you before you stand up and sit back down. The other one told you, I can, br- I can told Sulaiman, I can bring it to you in a blink of an eye. So once again, here we are dealing with something that is physical as opposed to something that goes beyond being physical. Is it possible that these types of things happen? Of course they are possible to happen if we think in proportion, we think in context, and we think with insight. These are the elements that generate the divisiveness of these issues when these issues are brought up in public by many Muslims.
أقول قولي هذا وأستغفر الله لي ولكم أدعوه سبحانه وأنتم على يقين بإجابته وتوبوا إليه إنه هو التواب الرحيم الحمد لله الذي هدى صلى الله وسلم على سيدنا المصطفى وعلى آله وصحبه أولي النهى والتقى Dear committed brothers and dear committed sisters The event of Al-Isra and Al-Mi'raj took place when we take a look at the real world that the Prophet was in it took place after the Prophet was under the most cumulative pressure that anyone can imagine he had just returned from a ta'if where he sought some type of solace and security and he was turned down in the in the most disrespectful way and the prophet the dua that you hear in this khutbah once or so a month Allahumma ilayka ashku dha'fa quwwati wa qillata hilati wa hawani ala nas that dua to the end إن لم يكن بك علي غضب فلا أبالي ولكن عافيتك هي أوسع لي etc. This dua the Prophet said when he returned from those years, those cumulative years of setbacks. That's the way we may express it in our human language. Of course, setbacks when we are living in a material world. The Prophet never had a moment of setback in reality. But for those who are materialistic, that's the way they look at it. In today's world, the Muslims are suffering from materialistic setbacks. Every time they try to stand up, Someone tries to knock them down. And much of this is of our own making. We refuse to open our eyes to the real world around us. And because we refuse to do that, we refuse to bring the real world into the masjid. Or take the, the masjid outside into the real world. So the khutbas are empty-headed. The masjids have no content in them. They just serve as a decorative purpose. To satisfy some person's religious feelings. No one wants to go into, well, do we have some people who are disturbing our lives, who are dividing us, who are killing us? Do we have that type of courage to open our eyes and say, well, 
to come to think about it, yes. We do have those. Okay, if we have those, are we to be silent about them? Or are we to permit them, through our silence, to continue to knock us down and to knock us out and to finish us off? Is that our attitude? And therefore, the type of information you're going to hear in these five or ten minutes are anathema to the status quo, regressive, and sycophant Muslims. Just in this past week, that evil kingdom that rules in the blessed land of Islam in the Arabian Peninsula it decided it's going to help the Iraqis out by paying one billion dollars and that's the first step in a strategy yes Muslims open your minds use the word strategy Use the word conspiracy when it's a fact of life. So they're pursuing a strategy of wooing away by using money. That's all they've been doing all of these years. They use money to buy countries, rather to buy governments, to buy institutions, to buy media outlets and to buy Islamic centers and to buy khatibs and speakers and then yesterday or the day before whenever it was they opened the Saudi regime opened a consulate in Baghdad yesterday and the day before according to the time between here and there the Saudi regime arrested eight individuals two of them are American citizens they have dual nationality but they're American citizens you watch and see there's a week and two and a month and two that are coming what is the US going to do is it going to stand up for the rights of these Americans or it's going to say no the real and the dollar, they have the final word. To hell with these two Americans. Keep your eyes open. Don't absent yourself from this reality. These eight individuals who were arrested, some of them are academics. One of them is a doctor. Some of them are activists. Some of them are writers. One of them is a pregnant woman. What's, what did they do? Why are they being arrested? Their crime, according to Saudi law, this is not Islamic law. There's no Islamic law in Saudi Arabia. According to Saudi law, what their crime was, they tweeted or they wrote something that is considered to be critical of the Saudi ruling class.
That's a crime? By, by what standard? By what reference? Does anyone refer to those rulers in Arabia as Islamic? And then Bloomberg, their news, this news item comes from Bloomberg. They said that the Saudis are putting the final touches on their first active nuclear reactor. How's this? In all of these months and years in the past, no one was speaking about this. And now news breaks out that they, they've actually built a nuclear reactor, a nuclear plant that can go radioactive, who knows when in the near future. And this makes us think of some of the statements that were made by these family officials concerning the issue of sectarianism and concerning the issue of the Islamic Republic in Iran acquiring nuclear capacity. What do they want? To begin a Sunni-Shia nuclear war? Is that what they are planning? This past week, there was a fire in one of the hotels in Mecca. I can almost comfortably say probably 90% of you did, did not see this news item anywhere. 700 Mu'tamir, 700 Muslims who went for Umrah, 700 of them were evacuated from this hotel. These mishaps, luckily by Allah's grace, there were no casualties. But why are the, the question is here, why are these quote-unquote mishaps, why are they happening in Mecca? We've had them happening in previous years among the Hujjaj. Now they are happening among the Mu'tamirin, those going for the lesser Hajj. The Saudis in this past week declared, announced, that they are entering into military exercises with Britain. In the same week, Egypt said it is entering into military exercises with France. We don't hear about Muslim militaries coordinating among themselves. They are coordinating among the imperialists and the Zionists. In this past week, Four individuals were executed in Saudi Arabia. Three of them men, one of them a woman. Two of them from Pakistan, the woman from Nigeria, and the other man from Yemen. What were the charges? The charges were they had narcotics in their possession. There were 456 non-governmental organization 456 of them during this past weekend who presented a request to the Saudi government to stop the war in Yemen 
Another news item that probably didn't circulate and you probably haven't heard of. There's a member of the Israeli parliament who is a rabbi who broke into Al Masjid Al Aqsa once again. He's done this before and he's doing it once again. And what are we supposed to be silent about all of these things that are happening to us? The United Nations says that it will take 10 years, 10 years to clear the city of Mosul in northern Iraq from the landmines that are there. Once again, what are we to say or what are we to think when we encounter these types of news items? A big news item right now that's making its rounds and of course if we follow the Saudi definition of Islam we are not supposed to speak about these types of things. This news item says that the Russian government has given the Israelis the remains of a soldier who was killed in 1982 in the Israeli invasion of Lebanon. Actually, that soldier was killed in my mother's hometown in Lebanon. And now after all of these years, the Russians are returning the remains to the Israelis. Does that click in your mind? of who our enemies are and who our friends are. Now there's an Israeli plan to have 250,000 individuals settle on the Golan Heights. Remember the Golan Heights? A couple of weeks ago, Trump says that the Golan Heights belongs to Israel and the evangelical community all around are clapping that this is the Lord's will. Is it the Lord's will that a people and a regime steal a country, a holy country? Is that the Lord's will? One of the Israeli Orientalists blurted it out and said, Netanyahu is the number one supporter of MBS, the son of King Salman. Netanyahu, the number one supporter, especially after the Khashoggi affair. One of the ex-Israeli chiefs of staff I think that was his position at the time his name was Shaul Mufaz in the second is Palestinian Intifada he told his troops I want each one of you to kill 10 Palestinians every day And he said, I want my statement to be off the record. 
If anyone is going to say, I said that, I will deny it. What are we? Uh, Palestinian? Who's, Palest- who's a Palestinian? Might as well be you or me. Is it just a mistake of geography? You were born somewhere else. You could have been born in Palestine. You could have been one of those victims that this Israeli general is telling his troops to kill. Ten of them every day. Each, each one is tasked with killing ten Palestinians every day. When, when I come across information like this, having the responsibility of giving the khutbah on Friday, what do I say? I say, no, it's not right to mention this to the Muslims. I keep this to myself. Isn't it the right, your right as a Muslim on a day of taqwa to know this? Last weekend when the Arabian summit took place in Tunisia, there were about 125 demonstrators, but you know the security forces that were surrounding those 125 demonstrators against those corrupt heads of state. 3,000 security forces were around 125 demonstrators. Now, the Israeli media has gone into a frenzy. They are describing Palestinians as animals. They are saying the Jews deserve to live and the Palestinians deserve to die. I ask those who give the khutbahs on Friday, when this type of information is coming out, why are you silent about it? Why don't you pass this information on to the rest of the flock and the rest of the Muslims? And then we have uh, a miniature Trump in Spain, one of the leaders of one of their fascist parties. He says that Morocco should be paying to construct a wall. There's two cities between Morocco and Spain called Sabta and Melilla. He said the Moroccan government should be paying to construct the wall there between Morocco and Spain. Just like Trump said, Mexico should be paying for the wall between the United States and Mexico. Netanyahu, the war criminal, who's the head of the Zionist killing force, he said that he proposed to rulers in Arab countries to take charge of Gaza. None of them wanted to be responsible for Gaza. What does that tell you? And finally, we have this news item that Brunei, Brunei is one of these very small nation states in the area of uh, Malaysia and Indonesia very rich, very wealthy. They said they are going to impose strict Islamic laws concerning homosexuals, concerning adultery, concerning narcotics and these other things. If this is going to be a replay of Saudi Arabia, 
if that's the way they envision the application of Islamic laws, populations don't need that. We are all for Islamic morality and Islamic legality. But we are all against those who want to impose these types of laws on the underclasses of society. In the meantime, they themselves are committing crimes that deserve more severe punishment than the punishments they are imposing on the poor people. Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqan warzuqna tiba'ah wa arina al-baatila baatilan warzuqna ijtinaabah wa la taj'alhu multabisan alayna wa ja'alna lilmuttaqina imama Rabbana la tu'akhithna in nasina aw akhtaqna Rabbana wala tahmil alayna isra kama hamaltahu ala alladhina min qablina Rabbana wala tuhammilna ma la taqata lana bih wa'afu anna waghfir lana warhamna anta maulana fansurna ala alqawmil kafirin اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على محمد وآل محمد وصل وسلم وبارك على إبراهيم وآل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر ومن أظلم ممن منع مساجد الله أن يذكر فيها اسمه وسعى في خرابها أولئك ما كان لهم أن يدخلوها إلا خائفين لهم في الدنيا خزي ولهم في الآخرة عذاب عظيم إن الله يأمركم أن تؤدوا الأمانات إلى أهلها وإذا حكمتم بين الناس أن تحكموا بالعدل إن الله نعم يعظكم به إن الله كان سميعا بصيرا ولذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون وأقم الصلاه